KMTT Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Today is Wednesday. We have the weekly shiur on the philosophy of the Vilna Gaon and his school by Havav Aliyakim Kambay. Shalom. The opposition to the Hasidic movement broke out in the year Tavkuf Lamid Bet, 1772. The Vilna was the central Torah personality, the major authority which gave this uh, opposition movement its force. There were other Gdolei Torah of the time who also were opposed to the Hasidic movement, but they didn't initiate uh, public measures or any drive to battle the movement, much less to try to wipe it out. Uh, we can mention, for example, the Noda Bihuda, the rabbi of Prague, uh, the contemporary of the Gra, who in his Shail to Truvot shows that he really was opposed to the Hasidic movement, but nevertheless, he apparently didn't feel that it was prudent to take public measures against, measures against them. However, this was not the approach of the Vilna Gaon. And what I'd like to do is outline some of the basic facts of the controversy as it worked out, and ultimately to try to arrive at the a consideration of the ideological aspect, the root of this machloket. Uh, in that year, Tafkud Lamed Bet, word of the practices of the Hasidim, which appeared to be new and deviant, reached the Vilna Gaon, and they aroused his consternation. When the leaders of the Hasidim learned of the Gra's disapproval, two of them, Rabbi Shner Zamin of Ladi and Rabbi Menachem Mendel, Avitebsk went to Vilna to try to meet with the Gra and explain to him the Hasidic position. Uh, the Gra, however, had already arrived at his opinion. He had what he considered reliable testimony as to the practices of the Hasidim, and the Vilna Gaon actually refused to meet them. Afterwards, these two leader, uh, leaders of the Hasidim, Rabbi Shneer Zamin and Rabbi Nachem Mendel, went to the town of Shklov. We've heard a lot about Shklov in the past. We know that many of the Gaon's disciples came from there. And Vilna and Shklov are actually the two major uh, kihilot, the two, two major communities which were the focus of the opposition to Hasidut at, at its very outset. These two Hasidic leaders came to Shklov, and there they did have a meeting with uh, the local rabbis, and a debate ensued, which the Hasidim had hoped would uh, result in a kind of rapprochement, but their hope was not uh, uh, ful- fulfilled, and both sides simply became entrenched in their views. The leaders of Shklov 
reached the conclusion that the Hasidim were indeed a dangerous sect. They were even under the category of Minim and Apikorsim. And they said as much to the Vinagon. They sent to him word of the results of this debate. Uh, after the Gaon received this news from Shklov, he and the Kehilat Vilna initiated public measures against the Hasidim, which amounted to their persecution and an attempt to actually uh, eliminate the Hasidim as a public force in the Jewish world. The main measure was to uh, prohibit the Hasidim from carrying on their separate minyanim, uh, their separate davening, under the threat of cherem, of excommunication. This cherem, which uh, spread rather quickly to other communities as well, was a traumatic experience for the Hasidim. I remember hearing from uh, Rabbi Lam Shlita that he once talked about this to an elderly Hasid, and that Hasid referred to this event as the Zeit von der Ches, the time of the Ches, meaning Cherem. In other words, the experience of being under the threat of excommunication by the Vonagon uh, was so traumatic that uh, 150 years later, there were still Hasidim who couldn't bring themselves to say the word Cherem and just refer to it as the Ches. Uh, now the question is what moved the Gaon to oppose the Hasidim with such uh, violent uh, force the points which are mentioned in connection specifically with the Gaon's Cherem are two one of them is the fact that the Hasidim disparage Tamirei Chachamim, they impugn the honor of Lamdei Torah. And secondly, that they had weird practices practices in davening. They would do handstands and acrobatics. Their tefillah had an intense ecstatic quality. And these practices, the Grav viewed with great suspicion, and in addition to these practices, the Grau wrote that he had received in writing an, a Hasidic explanation, an exegesis on a certain passage of the Zohar, which he considered to be extremely problematic, and which proved to him that the Hasidim were indeed Minim and Apikorsin. Uh, this is somewhat enigmatic. We don't know what passage of the Zohar they're talking about, or and what the what the explanation in question was. Uh, it stands to reason that the Graz uh, conclusions about the nature of the Hasidic movement, viewing them as as apikorsim, had something to do with the uh, Frankist movement, an offshoot of the followers of Shabtai Tzvi, uh, whose existence had been revealed approximately twenty years before the events that we're talking about. And the Gras associated these deviant practices with, with those of the Frankists. 
That's a scholarly evaluation offered by some uh, researchers. However, beyond these two specific points, which the uh, Vilnagon uh, specific, specifically mentioned, the writings of that time, the days of the early uh, period of Hitnagdut to Hasidism, mention other points, uh, which I'll get to in a moment. Was there truth to the two uh, things which I mentioned, namely the disparaging remarks about Tamili Chachamim and the weird practices during the Avening? The Vilnagon, of course, had what he considered to be reliable testimony as to these uh, things. And actually, we also have pretty reliable testimony, which comes to us in a letter written by Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi. Rabbi Shneir Zalman writes that at one point, uh, the Magid of Mezich, who was the the main Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov, and he was the heir to the Hasidic heritage, and he was the master of Rabbi Shneir Zalman and Rabbi Nachman Mendel and the other great uh, Hasidic leaders, the Magad of Mezrich was angry at one of his Talmudim, Rabbi Avram of Kalisk. To the point where Rabbi Avram of Kalisk was afraid to show up in the court of the Magid, Rabbi Dovber, for fear of his anger. What had aroused the, rank, the anger of the Magad of Mezrich? Apparently, Rabbi Avram of Kalisk and his followers were guilty of these two things which provoked the criticism and ultimately the cherem of the Gon. They had indeed uh, publicly made light of Tamid HaChachamim and they had indeed uh, performed these acrobatics in a public way during davening. The Magid was angry at them, perhaps on the one hand, because he thought that these these practices themselves were improper. Uh, and undoubtedly, he was also uh, angry because of the imprudence which they, had sho- which they had showed in provoking the anger and the uh, critical attention of the mainstream Jewish community. So then there certainly is truth to these uh, practices, even though from the fact that the Magi tried to stop them, we see that within the Hasidic movement, uh, these things weren't universally approved. Beyond these uh, practices which, which I mentioned, there are other things which aroused the ire of the Mitnagdim. And if uh, we read some of the tracts which were written by the leaders of the, of the mainstream Jewish community of the time, uh, we can get a glimpse of some of these uh, things which appear to be very odd. For example, if we read from uh, a uh, tract called Shever Poshim, written by Rabbi David Mimakov, again, everything I'm bringing to you here is written about the same time, the early 70s of the 18th century. Rabbi David Mimakov here quotes 
from Todot Yaakov Yosef, an important seminal Hasidic work written by a Talmud of Baal Shem Tov. And he criticizes the ideas that are found there. Rabbi David Mimakov writes in somewhat poetic style, the philosophy of joy, as expounded in Todot Yaakov Yosef, and of course we're reading it here as it is reported, by Rabbi David Mimakov in a somewhat derisive way, that the main purpose of the person is to be happy in this world and to eat, drink, and be merry, to build himself a nice house. In other words, the person is supposed to try to lead an easy life, b'nei noach, and hard toil in Torah study will just make you tired. Once again, Rabbi David Mimakov is critical of this philosophy of joy and putting the necessity of avoiding sadness above other religious values. In other words, we have actually seen the Hasidim, they're fat. They eat like locusts. Every day with them is a feast. Meat, quail, fish. The Hasidim, then, in their intense uh, emphasis on joy, impressed the mainstream Jewish community as being very materialistic and as putting an undue emphasis on contentment and worldly pleasure. Ve'ezahu avodash yibalev, continues Rabbi David Mimakov, Okay, now Rav David Mimakov concedes that there is something spiritual in Hasidut. They don't just eat all the time. There is another form of Avodat Hashem, according to the Hasidim, which is Tfilah. These are the twin emphases which he uh, was impressed that arise from the Tadot Yaakov Yosef. Eating and davening. Learning Torah, which was always considered the main type of Avodat Hashem, something which one who can ought to preoccupy himself with day and night, that becomes tafel, of secondary importance. In other words, what uh, Rabbi David Mimako is hinting at is that the Hasidim, above and beyond the specific practices which, uh, on which the Gon based his cherem, there was a reordering of priorities. 
things which uh, were important in Yahadut now became the main thing. And the central issue in Yahadut, Talmud Torah, that became secondary. And therefore, uh, this, uh, this cut, this sect of the Hasidim, was viewed as being more or less a deviant sect. A group of people would try to overturn the traditional set of values, the traditional priorities. Uh, now, in these tracts, and in the Cherem, and the, the, the additional uh, literature written during this period of the outbreak of the opposition to Hasidut, the mainstream community really relates to the Hasidim, as I've said, a deviant sect, which ought to be simply wiped out. Uh, they, they don't uh, give the Hasidim the credit of hang, having here a, a serious worldview, which has to be dealt with and refuted in any serious way. However, if we scrape the surface and delve a bit more deeply into the literature, of course, we will realize, as we can suspect, that this, wasn't, this was not actually an accurate picture. And behind the Hasidic practices, new as they seemed, but there was actually a well-thought-out ideology, uh, ideology and approach to Torah and mitzvot. For example, if we take this idea of eating, why was eating so central? Now, in the criticism which we just read from Rab David Mimakov, eating and drinking, merrymaking, are conceived as a way of of having of achieving joy, the value of simcha, and distancing, distancing oneself from excessive grief and melancholy. However, uh, the importance of eating, which is a corporeal act, in Hasidut goes beyond this. Actually, the Hasidic movement innovated a new type of avodat Hashem, which they called avodah begashmiyut, worshipping God through material aspects of existence through corporeality. And using eating and drinking, things which ostensibly have nothing to do with holiness, and using these very things as vehicles of Avodat Hashem to the Hasidim was a central aspect of religious life and something really unique and unexpected and therefore extremely powerful. I'd like to read to you, for example, a passage from uh, Noam Elimelech, written by one of the great early leaders of the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhansk. He has a fa- the following comment on the verse from the Torah, kadagan minagorin minayekiv. This is a uh, pasuk which deals with 
the mitzvah of Trumot Ma'asrot and uh, places this mitzvah even on the Levine themselves, they also have to take off Trumot Ma'asrot. On the one hand, they take off Trumot Ma'asrot. On the other hand, they also eat Trumot Ma'asrot. Uh, Rabbi Melech gives this uh, mitzvah the following interpretation. Perush. The Mishnah Pirkei Avot Yesh Masrot Siag LaOsher Nedarim Siag LePrishut. I'm sorry, Nedarim Siag LePrishut. Rabbi Yehuda is concerned with the first part of this dictate. Masrot Siag LaOsher. Nedarim Siag LePrishut. That's okay because we know Prishut is a religious ideal, and the purpose of Pirkei Avot is to propagate religious ideals. But why would the Tana of Pirkei Avot teach us how to become rich? Why would he say to us, fulfill the mitzvah of Masrot, and then you will become rich? Why is material wealth of, of concern to him? Now, using this uh, comment of the Tana of Pirkei Avot, Rabbi Yimelech says as follows, a person, when engaged in eating and drinking, and it, when he uh, works for his living in order to profit and make money, he has to sanctify himself. He has to bring himself to a higher level of holiness than that holiness which attends the ordinary religious practices of Torah study and tefillah. Why? Kisham ena yitzhara kokach sholet, machmat sholsek bidvar shem Because when a person is learning Torah, or when he's davening, he's doing something which is inherently holy. So therefore he doesn't have to add his own personal level of holiness to the act itself. However, when doing something which has to do with worldly pursuits, something where the Yetzirah fulfills a great role, eating, making money, these practices are things which a person generally does out of self-interest. Therefore, when doing these things, must, one must bring himself to an even higher level of holiness. In order that these things must, should be done with the proper intent, one must sanctify oneself to a very high level. And that was why the Tana says that Masrot is a way to achieve Osher. What, what does this mean? That you have to sanctify yourself so much to the point where ma'asrot, in other words, mitzvot, actual mitzvot, will be nothing but asyag la'osher. In other words, they will be of secondary importance, and the main thing will be osher. Do you understand? The osher, the worldly pursuits, became the main form of Odat Hashem, and the mitzvot themselves, the Tayyak mitzvot, 
they now are relegated to something of secondary importance. That's what the Tana means when he says Masrot, which is an actual mitzvah, is only a siyag. It's only of secondary importance in comparison to the Avodat Hashem, which a person can perform when he's doing the ordinary worldly pursuit of making a living. Now, based on this assumption, Rabbi Yimelech returns to the Pasuk. Because now we're not talking about the Tana of Pirkei Avot. We're talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's the author of this Pasuk. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to the Tzadik, who does what we've, what we've just said. This Tzadik, who worships God mainly through his physical activities, through his eating, through his drinking, through his monetary uh, profit-making, HaKadosh Baruch comes in, along and says to him, There's a great innovation. You must sanctify yourself even when learning Torah. Trumatchem here refers to a mitzvah. Your truma, your mitzvah, should be just as holy as your food. In other words, we have here a a comment, a chasidic comment, which is hafuch alafuch. First, Rabbi, Mel- Rabbi Melech postulates that the main form of avodat Hashem is eating, drinking, and making money. Of course all when done with the proper intention, with the proper sanctity. And a person who does this with the proper sanctity is worshipping God in a way which is superior to the worship which is inherent in Torah and mitzvot. And then he comes along and says, but then the Pasuk says that even though this is the basis, nevertheless one should still, when learning Torah, do it with the proper sanctity so that it will be on an equivalent, equivalent level to eating and drinking. And Rabbi Melech ends up his comment with the other pasuk. In other words, the net result of this pasuk is that there's an equation, an equivalence between the Avodat Hashem, which is done through Torah Mitzvot, and the Avodat Hashem, which is done through any ordinary worldly pursuit. Neither of them has any preference or any extra added value over the other. They can be faced off one, one against the other. Uh, so we can conceive of this comment of Rabbi Limelech as somewhat moderating the excessive emphasis that the early Hasidut placed on Avodah B'Gashmiyot, making it the centerpiece of worship of Hashem. But on the other hand, the net result is that we have an erasing of the distinction between the world of Avodat Hashem as put forth in Torah and Mitzvot and the broader world of Avodat Hashem which was the innovation of the Hasidic movement which, which encompasses all of life 
now, this, of course, I think is, gives us a more profound view of how the Hasidim viewed the importance of normal physical activity in the province of Avodat Hashem. We see that there is here a fundamental ideological point, which in the early writings of the Hasidim, of the Mitnagdim, uh, doesn't really get serious attention. However, in later stages, even in the writings of the Vilna Gaon himself, we do find that things became uh, much more serious and there is the realization that it wasn't sufficient simply to relate to the Hasidim as, uh, as mere deviants. But there is a realization that the Hasidim actually posed an ideological, intellectual, and religious challenge which had to be met and dealt with in a serious way. And when we get to these later stages of the intense opposition to the Hasidic movement, this ideological issue becomes crystallized. In, in our next year, we'll revisit the Gra at a later stage, and we'll see that he himself is now aware that there's a fundamental issue here at stake, an issue which, uh, on the one hand, is educational, and perhaps even theological or philosophical. And this theological issue can be seen as a central root of the controversy between Hasidim and Mitnagdim with ramifications in many, 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 many spheres. So this will be the next uh, station in our discussion.